When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everyone, welcome to the Barca Blog Runners podcast. We are back after a two-week hiatus. I was moving, and when you have moving boxes, it's hard to record a podcast. So we are joined by our stalwart guest, our friend, Nick. How are we doing today? I'm doing well, all things considered, but, you know, feeling humble this morning. <clears throat> yeah, uh, the picture I'm looking at right now is uh, of Chavi uh, just looking disappointed and sad, which it seems like... I feel like we always, Barcelona always had like a plethora of photos of managers looking sad in the last few years, but for whatever reason, the Chavi ones just look more depressing to me. Like they always get the angle that's like kind of coming from the bottom and he's just like kind of, his lips just kind of out and he just looks sad. Um, Barcelona, of course, were knocked out of the Europa League this week. Um, the, you know, one might argue the biggest loss from that match was Pedri tearing his hamstring. Um but we'll we'll talk about the injury stuff a little later on. Let's talk about the match. Uh, yeah, I don't so think this was that. For me, I wasn't that surprised because like since they've come back from international break, their form they don't they haven't looked the same as they were before the international break. I guess that's true. Yeah, it's uh, definitely from the Sevilla game through Levante, these two um, Frankfurt games. The form has definitely dropped. And yet, you know, it's kind of the exact opposite of what we saw earlier in the fall and even last season where, uh, yeah, your form can drop, your performance cannot be good, but you're finding a way to get results. And even in the Frankfurt game, you got that equalizer late, which felt like a victory in an away game. So uh, even with the performances dropping, but the results still being there, you're wondering, is this a fluke? Are we going to pull ourselves out of this? Or is this something to keep an eye on? Because maybe this honeymoon of excitement from January is over and we have to get real and figure out over the course of a longer season how to go through the ups and downs and still be successful. And now all of a sudden, you know, you have those questions coming up um, and the optimism and the benefit of the doubt, which I was I was still giving even last week and after the Levante game, it's not quite there. I think more of a critical outlook is going to be um, given to this team going forward down the stretch. Yeah, and like this is the time to figure that kind of stuff out. I think we were all probably a little... Uh... Like, I, I don't even know if we were too too optimistic isn't the right word. I mean, we were just having a great time, right? Like, <laughs> we beat Real Madrid 4-0, and, you know, we were dominating in matches we were playing. Uh, you know, you went away at Napoli. Like, there was there was a lot to be excited about, and there's still a lot to be excited about. Um, but I think maybe it gave us a little bit of a false positive about how I think this team can reach, like, obviously they can reach highs, right? They beat... Real Madrid 4-0, a team that's in the Champions League semifinals. Granted, they were without the the guy yeah, that seems to continually. Yeah, Asuna 4-0. Yep. beat Napoli. Yeah, it's just you're right. And I, but I, I think there are still clearly right. There's still clearly consistency problems, and there's problems with, um, they're they're still figuring out who they are, and that doesn't mean they still can't mm-hmm. have great results because they clearly had a, a string of great results. But uh, in order to take that next step, right, to be a team that, um 
you know, can compete late in the Champions League or even late in the Europa League, I guess, uh, they still have to find that level of consistency. And that's just something they don't have right now. They've lost their, their consistency. Well, like you can approach this from so many different angles. Now, all of a sudden, you go back. And I think the way my brain works is why were they so good at, to begin with starting in February? Was it the return of Pedri? Okay, well, that's the first thing I'm thinking about because now Pedri's not going to be here for the rest of the season. So we're about to see, like, what was that impact and what was the true value to the success? Was it the January signings? Definitely part of it, right? Was just that optimism and relentless positivity of Xavi that finally kicked in with the system and with the structure? I think now that you see the drop in form and you don't have that high anymore of that carries you and creates momentum, um, if that's not there anymore, then you start to pick apart what those reasons for the success were. And if you're going to build it back together, um, what's it going to take? And the consistency that you're talking about, I think what's dropped is the form of a few players specifically who are really good over the last few months. Um, and the fact, I guess if I was summarizing it, the fact that uh, I think Xavi got comfortable with his starting 11, a few rotation pieces here and there, especially in the midfield. But all of a sudden, I'm asking with a few players who haven't played that much in the last few months, when they do play in their cameo roles, you can't just throw them in anymore and have backup options. And I think those backup options are going to be really important now going down the stretch. But since they haven't played so much of the last two months, uh, that's my question going forward. Can someone else come in now and light a spark under the team to carry them to at least a top four finish to end the season? Yeah, like the uh, the January sparks of Traore and Aubameyang. Uh, who had? What player do you think has fallen off the most? That could be. And again, I'm I'm not blaming. It, this isn't to say blame, right? Because there's it's a collective result. Um, I guess what key piece have you seen fallen off the most that was part of that spark in January and February? I think the big thing is collectively, I think that unit, that cohesive unit, and I would say clearly it's the Dembele, Aubameyang, and Ferran up top. Those are the ones. And I think what we're seeing lately, I don't know if I'd quite buy into Frankie. He wasn't feeling good yesterday. I do think that Xavi is leaning more towards Gavi than Frankie more times than not in bigger games. That might change going forward. Um, well, I think the number one, though, to give a specific name is Aubameyang, just because if we're talking about a drop in form in the last few games, he's kind of lost his confidence a little bit in front of goal. But in my opinion, I wouldn't overreact to that because he's in the right spot at the right time every single time. He's doing what a number nine is supposed to do, which is what Barcelona didn't have before. Um, he's got to put him in. Yesterday, that the header and the uh, that ball across the box that was whipped in hard by Dembélé, Aubameyang was exactly where he was supposed to be. But when you lose your confidence, your legs feel a little bit heavier, you don't react quite as quickly, so the balls don't go in. So hopefully he can get his confidence back. Um, but I think more than anything, Chavi needs to say, listen, uh, we're going to have dips in form. Other players are going to come in and they're going to be given opportunities because everyone has to be held to high standards. Um, I, on the flip side, I'll, I'm going to mention Frankie de Jong again because I think he's been playing great in these last four games when the form for the team has dipped. So I have been surprised that he's been like the first guy to be taken out or not be inserted into the lineup. Uh, if I could criticize anything from Chavi yesterday, I'd take him at face value. Frankie wasn't feeling good. Not having Frankie Young to start the game, I think, was a massive impact on the team. I think he's looked really, really good. Why? Because unlike Gabi, who offers other things, he is a true box-to-box -box player these days. And if it's not Obama Yang, you need someone else coming in to be another target to create danger up and down the field. And he's the one to do it. So a few thoughts there on whose form has been good and 
hopefully Aubameyang gets, gets right back to it. And I'm not too worried about him. Yeah, and uh, they're going to have to get right back to it because unless I'm misreading things, they have three La Liga matches in the next like 11 days. Uh, Monday, Thursday, and Sunday. Uh, yeah, three. Um, yeah, and all of a sudden that uh, victory against Levante is massive like to get to get those two points right because it's not as rosy of a picture anymore even to get top four you can have to earn it yeah um let's talk a little bit about the uh the injury stuff so pedri i think th- this is the same injury that kept him out for four months last year right i think it was hamstring yeah although i think it might have been yeah i think he might have had two injuries but i think it was his hamstring yeah okay yeah Kind of so, unusual for like a center midfielder. Well, maybe I'm not a medical expert, but yeah, I I have no idea. All I know is that's a hard injury. Um, it certainly puts him out for the rest of the season. Um, the biggest thing will just be you know getting his form back for getting his fitness back for the start of um, next year's campaign. And then of course you know Pedro being the guy who plays every match. You know he is of course has the uh, the World Cup to look forward to later this year. Uh, in the middle of everything. Um, how big of a loss is Pedri in the Barcelona midfield coming down the stretch in La Liga? Well, we're about to see. I mean, I think that's my the biggest question over everything now. I I, I couldn't narrow it down like if the success, if there were three reasons why Barcelona's success has been turned around: the coach, the return of Pedri, and those January signings. I, to my I'm, my mind is going forward now, starting against Cadiz on Monday. What is the impact of losing Pedri? Um, I will say there's depth. You can't really replace Pedri, but you do have players who can step in, although they're not going to play the same style and give you the same um, impact on the game. Uh, I think it's going to be a massive blow because it's very clear he's been scoring goals just like Xavi asked. It's not just his facilitation, although the team looks more cohesive and possession looks better when he's on the field. Um, And to me, uh, I'll bring up a name, Ricky Pooch. I'm not bringing up Nico. I'm bringing up Ricky Pooch. I think he's a more natural replacement for Pedri. And I think if anyone can come in and be that glue that gets things moving and can provide a vertical threat up the field with good passing uh, and an eye to someone like even Aubameyang, he's the one I'd be interested in seeing if he can be given a role again on this team. I just feel like he's the most direct replacement, but of course it's going to be Frankie and Gavi given a chance to hold down the fort together, but he's irreplaceable. So whatever you're going to do without Pedri, it's going to be different and you got to find a way to make it work as a team and adapt. Yeah, so uh, the chance for a trophy in Xavi's uh, debut half season is pretty much pretty much gone. Um, let's yeah. talk about uh, this summer a little bit. Uh, <laughs> this this is such a, like a first take question, but I couldn't help myself because just some of the headlines. Uh, if you could choose one guy for ju- just next year alone, uh, Erling Holland or uh, Bob Lewandowski. Um. Well, between the two of them, Lewandowski, well, I've been reading like different reports about how expensive he's going to be. I it's, it's a little confusing because like the, I don't understand his contract with Byron as well as I thought I did. No, I just feel like, I, I think if Holland, especially because of his injuries this year, is such a risk. And I've been reading other reports about, I think, I think Tifo just did like a report yesterday in Barcelona. They talked more about the finances and how we have to really be careful because, uh, you know, things, you, it's just such a huge, massive financial risk signed Erling Island. So I would say Lewandowski between the two. Um, although with Aubameyang, neither one, I think, are a necessity. I want, a, I want a center defender. I want the best center defender in, in the world. I don't know who that is, but if you're going to spend money and not get a free signing, I want it to be the best center defender in the world. I was going to say, so the best center defender in the world, I don't know who that is anymore. 
Yeah, and it's always, I mean, Virgil van Dyke, he was playing for Southampton. So, okay, like I wouldn't have known that really. And the Ruben Diaz was playing in Portugal, I think, before he came to Manchester City. So I am not a transfer expert. I will not give, give every, anyone a name for sure, but I trust that Aleman and all these people at Barcelona can go out and find one. And when they do, I don't necessarily want them to be like obsessed with the Barcelona profile of a center defender. Yeah. Because in modern football, of course, it's, it would be really nice to have someone who can make that long diagonal pass because that's uh, becoming a staple of Xavi's system, longer passes, which is kind of ironic uh, when you consider the legacy of where he came from with Guardiola. But you need someone who's just a shutdown defender, 100% shutdown that kind of is, is strong and is going to you know, strike fear into the heart of the forwards on the other team. Um, and just a wall to be with Araujo. Eric Garcia, I still, I, I, such a, his, his form has improved so much, but the penalty yesterday, that's a player who's just undersized and not confident going against big forwards in the box. And I think that's never going to go away. So I think he's going to be more of a situational defender going forward, but Barcelona need like, who is that guy with Araujo going to be? And it should be the best person on the market. And I think Xavi can, has, already has great midfielders, not an issue. Forwards, I think, are uh, not the most immediate concern given the situation. But uh, not even fullbacks, even. Everyone's talking about fullbacks. That's important too, but I think that's secondary, the center defender. Yeah, so Barcelona's uh, European uh, trip is over. Uh, as we've talked about for months on end, the goal for this season was just to you know get top four, build confidence, and that's still that's still happening. Um, that's still We're still working towards that goal. It still feels confident that we're going to achieve that. So that's the main goal for this season. Um, let's talk about, the, sorry, uh, go ahead. Yeah. And that's, you know, at the end of the day, like I went from being so like pessimistic and cynical about everything with Barcelona feeling like, you know, I'll believe it when I see it, when things start to turn around. And then I went to being just like eternal optimist, defend Xavi, even when things aren't looking good, give them the benefit of the doubt. And now we're back to, you know, kind of reality. And this is what it's like to be a top-level team, which is really what we're becoming under Xavi. You're going to go through ups and downs. You want to respond to that. But there's something about these knockout games that gives me pause, too, that reminded me of, like, years past, how they can be so good in their, like, La Liga campaigns. But they have to find a way under Xavi to go into the Champions League next year, assuming they make it, and have, like, that mental fortitude to do what it takes to, to get to semifinals at least because that to me is the expectation of Barcelona yeah and uh talking about mental fortitude I did want to talk about the Champions League despite Barcelona not being in it um the the fortitude of unfortunately uh Real Madrid um I Mm. I don't even know like I, I don't know how to put into words how the team that we saw just like collapse and look look calamitous against Barcelona does what they continue to do in the champions League this year. Like, do you have yeah. words for it? Or is it just like Modric and Benzema that continually pull things out of their hats and that's it. Just, you know, I, one day, but it's incredible how Modric doesn't, it's just still doing what he's doing at his age and Benzema too, at his age. Cause what is he? 33 or something. Yeah. And he's having the best season of his career. Ballon d'Or. I'll say it. I'm a Barcelona fan. I don't understand how anyone can compete with him this year. Uh, just spectacular. He doesn't seem to miss. And Vinny Jr. So three amazing players. And then the rest are kind of just like side characters. Um, I, I, so I think there's different ways of looking at this. One, 
there is something about like perception. And when you see yourselves as the kings of Europe, you go into the Champions League, I think that does give you a boost. I think it affects your opponents, whether you're PSG or even Chelsea. Like we have to, even when it's not the best Real Madrid team in the world that they've ever been, we have, they are the kings of Europe. And that's kind of a monkey on your back. And I'm going to say it. I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist. I think it affects referees too. I mean, or, and maybe not directly, like there's, there's some kind of like scandal going on, but it does seem like they get all the calls in the world that, um, what was it? Um, the goal that was taken away from Marcos Alonso. It's the softest thing in the world. And the fact that that didn't stand after all that hard work that Chelsea was doing and how that can change the momentum of the game. It's just, it's hard to explain. But I have faith in Pep Guardiola that he will do it for himself, he'll do it for his team, and he'll do it for Barcelona. Oh, man, Barcelona fans Real. are going to love you bringing up the referees. They're, they're, they're just going to love that. But I don't think it's like a scandal, like they're paid off. I just think there's this like weird like thing in the back of everyone's mind with Real Madrid. I don't know, I'm not a psychologist, but I think if you talk to a psychologist next time, if you want to interview one, we can talk about like <laughs> the psychology of the success and just the expectation that the one team is the team that's going to win. And I'm not saying it's a foregone conclusion that they win because of it, but it plants seeds in everyone's heads. It might have benefits. Yeah. Uh, them going up against Manchester city is I think the best for everyone. I am excited to watch the, uh, the chess matchup that will take place between Pep Guardiola and Pep Guardiola, because I feel like he just plays chess with himself uh, and Angela yeah. just kind of, throws whatever Simple. out there um let's talk about the uh, did you, you want to talk about byron uh villarreal or city atletico which one are you more interested in um both kind of okay <laughs> i mean how does this just give kudos to villarreal and then we can talk more about atletico because i think it's more interesting villarreal unai emery in particular give that guy just a credit for being the, like the king of the of the cups um yep. it's, it's it's freaking outstanding and it's it's not an accident when you do with sevilla what he's doing with villarreal um, and what's crazy incredible. in the first leg, I felt like they should have won two or three to zero. Like they yeah. seemed so much better in the first leg. And then for them to only get one goal, it felt inevitable, right? Byron are going to come back home. They're going to do their thing. Byron came back home. They scored the goal and then Villarreal were good enough to withstand and score one of their own. It was, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And that's what happens when you're a second tier team like Villarreal, you're going to miss chances you should put away. And the good team, the ones who are the elite teams are going to put those away. And the fact that Villarreal can react to that, respond to that, and still be in a position to win is amazing. And Samu Chuk Wazi always seems to score big goals. So comes in the most counterattacks. Yeah, it's crazy. We're, we're going into a Champions League semifinal without Bayern Munich or PSG, which I think if you had told us that you know, even, even a month ago, or I guess two months ago or six months ago would have been insane. Uh, the fact that those two teams are now not in the top four of Europe. Um, and then the Atletico Madrid city match, I, I, it just like how salty Atletico Madrid were that they got like out, they got out Atletico by, uh, kind of interpretation. Yeah. It's just like, that's how I took it. They just seemed so butthurt that like that city were doing the, the annoying, frustrating things that they usually do to other people. I didn't really know how to take it other than just like, I, I usually root against Manchester city. I found myself rooting for them because I was like, man, I thought it go suck. I don't like these guys. Yeah. But yeah, that's all of that is so true. 
when it comes to me being a neutral fan though, I love the, uh, what they bring as like, it may call them like a villain. A lot of people like Atletico Madrid is anti-football. Like mm-hmm. you cannot be a fan of football and be a fan of Atletico Madrid. Well, I think the game of European football needs those kind of villains in the Agreed. game that you get like, and you're saying like, yeah, they were getting salty because Man City was were kind of resorting to the dark arts. I think they were using that as a source of motivation. And I think it was working. It was really animating them and giving them energy that let them see things through to the end of the game. And they got their opportunities. That also hurt them because there were moments where instead of being having a cooler head and managing your time better at the end of the game, they were just getting into the fights and getting the red card at the end. But, you know, I think what it says at all is the fact that did you see like the reaction of the fans at the end of the game and how they were just going nuts and like singing for Simeone and dancing and staying like 30 minutes after the game to applaud their team? In the effort, I feel like that's a team who's embraced their identity and they love that you could, you know, go toe to toe. It's the way that you lose. So I'm going to just, I'll just, and this is a good way to kind of wrap things up in terms of like comparing that to Barcelona, the way that you lose in a knockout game. What frustrates me about Barcelona is every single time they get knocked out of Champions League and now Europa, it's some like horrible memory that's almost like traumatic. <laughs> like you, you lose in such a terrible way. That's just like, this is not becoming of an elite team. And Atletico can lose to Man City and get applauded on their way off the field because that you know that like, maybe not everyone's going to love the style, but you put your heart and soul into it. Yep. And that's a way to go out. And what's, what's wild to me is I think heading into that, heading into that draw, I... The Atletico Madrid we've seen this the, the last really like two years, I didn't think was capable of being the the classic Diego Simeone hold back and be able to to hold Manchester City to one goal over two legs. I didn't think it was possible for this. I didn't think they had that in them anymore, like the Atletico Madrids of the mid 2010s. And th- they proved that wrong, right? Like they they held probably the best offensive team in the world to one goal over. 180 minutes, which is incredible. Yeah, they are more versatile than they used to be. Um, yeah. so between the two legs, too, um, like sitting back for an entire 90 minute game, which was just like the ultimate anti football. And then the second leg, uh, same exact lineup, I think it was the same uh, starting 11, and they looked really dangerous on the counter attack. Like they could have scored goals and they could have played more expansively if they wanted to. So, hey, Simeone's not going anywhere, and it's good for La Liga. You're going to yep. have these like the competition. I, I will take that to like the Bayern Munich dominance in the Bundesliga any day. A hundred percent. Competition is a great thing in La Liga. Yeah, I mean, having two two La Liga teams in uh, the Champions League semifinals is the best. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, and almost three. So that's great because the Premier League is just going to the moon right now. And you have to have good coaches, the best coaches in your domestic league, I think, to be the best league in the world. So Simeone needs to stay. He's good for for the game in Spain. Yep. Uh, and this was probably the most impressive Pep Guardiola, I, I, not the most impressive Pep Guardiola win. I didn't think City had this type of result in them. And so to see them come through with this kind of thing in Europe is uh, very impressive to me. And they still might not win the Champions League, but uh, I think Pep has to be happy with everything. And just to. Well, like you said, it's Pep versus Pep. If Pep gets out of his own way, I think this is the year. Although I'm rooting for that Liverpool, Liverpool, Man City. Every weekend, apparently. This weekend, it's FA Cup. Last weekend, it was Premier League. And then maybe a final in May sometime. It's going to be good. And it's All deserved. Right. Those are the two best teams in the world. So I, I got no complaints about that. I would agree with that. Um, Nick, thank you for joining us. And we will chat again soon, all right? 
All right. Thanks. Have a good one.